stepping through the chronology of Jesus and as he walked, those things that he encountered. But I'm struggling with that a little bit because when I come to a topic, when it requires an intellectual approach and concept approach to be able to preach it and teach it, it's kind of odd that when I came to the Lord's Supper, I couldn't really, it's just like it wouldn't settle in me. And I discovered the reason is because I keep coming to those places in Jesus' life where he had a one-on-one or a personal encounter. Those are what's hitting my heart right now. It's those personal interactions because, you know, as I shared on Sunday night, if we're going to be able to prove those good and perfect things of God, as it says, that because of the renewing of our mind, we will be able to do. We need to understand the heart of God. We need to understand what happens in these moments. What happened when he met the woman at the well? What happened in that encounter? What happened when he met the woman who was caught in adultery? When the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment, what happened in that personal exchange? When we see the heart of Jesus in these, when we see the heart of God in them, and we begin to understand this heart and recognize that when something happens that gets blamed or assigned to God, it's like, no, that does not fit with the heart of anything he ever demonstrated. So we come to one of these tonight, and it's in, uh, again, I'll share first from Luke 22 beginning with verse 54. Jesus is now on trial. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid, other scriptures just speak of 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 a little girl, They held him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. I'm not going to take the opportunity to do it, but in Mark chapter 14, verse 66 in that area, it says that Peter began to curse, aggressively cursing, to prove that he was not connected with Jesus. He began to recognize the severity of this moment, not quite captured in Luke chapter 22. This was a critical moment because Peter was desperate to distance himself from Jesus in this moment. Did not want any part of what was being assigned to him. And he was cursing and saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. I don't know who he is. Verse 60, and Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And I want to pay particular attention to verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. This is that moment of exchange. Can you imagine this moment after what Peter has just done? And again, I want us to get this because how many times do we find ourselves right here where Peter is, trying to distance ourselves from Jesus? Now, we don't do it like this. But every day that we don't step into what God has for us, every day when he speaks to us 
and we don't in obedience hear and do what he is asking us to do so that there can be this supernatural release of power or of healing or of authority or whatever it's supposed to be, if we don't in obedience do what he assigns us, then we are distancing ourselves from him. Sometimes even by our actions, by our words, by the things that come out of our mouth, we tell the world, I'm trying to distance myself from someone. His name is Jesus. But this is a critical moment for Peter and for us. And I would tell you that the world desperately needs this moment. And the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. Please get this. If we just take the simple things that we know, God is, how do you finish that? Love. God is love. Jesus talking about his father and he says, why do you call me good? There is none good but the Father. So on a foundation, what do we know? That God is love and that God is good. And Jesus has said already to us, I can do nothing without the Father. I can only do what I see my Father do. I can only speak the words that I hear my Father speak. So Jesus' testimony is I live every day in obedience to what I see my Father do. I speak what I hear my Father say. And out of that, God releases power, remembering Jesus performed no miracles, not even one. Every miracle was performed by his Father, and that is great news for us in the New Testament church, because I have no power, I have no ability to produce a miracle. But I do have the capability of being obedient to what I hear and what I see, and and expecting that obedience that God will do in me exactly what he did through Jesus And if I'm obedient, he will release the supernatural power and do what's on his heart. That shouldn't surprise us and it shouldn't throw us. If that's God, and this is Jesus in this moment, and Peter has just done this horrendous thing that had been foretold that he would actually do, why do you think when their eyes met across this courtyard, when Peter looked up and he saw that Jesus was looking at him, What do you think Jesus' eyes told Peter? I love you. I love you. Now we would like to believe in our humanity that his eyes would say, I told you so. Not a chance. Because Jesus didn't set him up for this moment so that he would feel guilty. He didn't set him up for this moment so that he would feel shame. Now he did. He set him up for this moment so that Peter would know in this worst, worst moment. This moment sets Peter on his heels. He doesn't know what to do after this. He doesn't know know what to do with himself until later. At least in one of those moments when Jesus is standing on the shore and he's waving because they've gone back fishing. And Peter and John are talking because they're not catching anything. Sounds like a familiar story of another time when they weren't catching anything. And I hear this guy from the shore say, throw the nets on the other side. And the John begins to sound real familiar. Can you imagine? He's, pulling, he's reaching over the side of this boat, pulling in these nets. This huge, raw fish. Realizing, I have heard that voice before. I've received this instruction before. He looks up. He's pulling this, these fish in. He dives into the water because he can't wait. In that moment, had to get to Jesus. 
And Jesus takes them and sets them on the shore where he's cooking. And he feeds them again. Another meal, he feeds them again. And what a moment. How did that moment get set up? Because in this moment, instead of making Peter feel guilty, what put Peter in this next moment when it says, And Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock, Oh, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Why? Because Jesus had made him feel ashamed? No. What could set this in motion? It's for, for Peter to realize, I have done something so awful. And the heart of God says, I love you. That message will change the world. And what, they, what does the world expect from us right now? They expect us to do what our hearts would do in this moment and say, I told you so. The world is desperate to hear this message. Desperate to see it come from lives and from hearts. When we have been so wronged, when we have been so hurt, when we have been so accused, when we have been so offended, and that person who has brought those things against us looks into our face as the eyes meet across the room, across the courtyard, and they see the eyes of God in my face and see these words come back at them, I love you, it'll change the world. These are powerful interactions. If you want to know when things are real or genuine, If it doesn't speak of the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the healing of God, the justice of God, the authority of God, all of it held together by this reality of God is love. He will never act against his nature. He will never act against who he is, against his identity. It may be correction, but it will come with love. It may be conviction, but it will come with love. Everything will have a signature on it. Just like this moment had a signature, had Jesus' signature on it. Could have been this unbelievably awful moment. But it had the signature of God that said, Peter, I know what you did. I even told you that you were going to do it. I did that. So in this moment, I could tell you I love you. Had Jesus made Peter feel ashamed or blamed him or made him feel guilty, At least my suspicion is that the story would have unfolded very differently. Because the great changes in our our world today didn't happen because somebody made somebody feel guilty or shamed them. The real great changes that have ever occurred within our lives is because of great love. For God so loved. That was the story. I love these interactions. And Jesus just looked across the courtyard and said, Peter, I love you. I don't know anything else that could have made Peter weep so bitterly, but set his heart in motion so that when what comes next, he would be overwhelmed and set his life before the Lord. I haven't studied this in a long time, but if my, if my history is correct, you know, Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified as his Lord. He gave his life that way. We read much about him know a lot about him, of his commitment and what he did. Changed right here in this moment. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this passage. They they come so simply, but they're so profound. They're so deep, so filled with truth that we can actually see your heart in this moment. 
What a strange little moment held within the scripture. Only written here that you looked into Peter's face. I've seen that face myself. We all have sitting here as believers. We've all recognized that same face because while we were yet sinners and we realized it, you died for us. You paid for us. And when that moment hits, there is no way to explain it except that you loved us that much. It was for love's sake, for our rescue, for our salvation, because you loved us first. You told us very clearly, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I came seeking you. I came seeking that pearl. I came seeking that treasure. I came seeking you that the lost could be saved. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would just be overwhelmed by the reality of that love as Peter's was in this moment and that it would set a life in motion of faithfulness and commitment. We speak it in Jesus' name. Amen.